And in your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. Okay. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Dan wanted me to comment on why we don't know more about Jesus uh, before the age of 30-something when he is baptized. And uh, we know very little. We know about his birth. And we know about what happens eight days after his birth. Uh, We know about his conception. And uh, then we know about when the wise men visit, when he's a small child living in a house. And uh, we know about uh, a flight to Egypt and uh, return to Nazareth. Uh, He's probably two to four years old, and then that's all we know. And then there's this event when he's 12, and then the next thing's 30. And, and I think the reason why we don't more, know more is they don't think it's important for what you need to know. And uh, it's not important for your salvation, and it's not important for you to understand who Jesus is. Uh, but Luke thinks that this event in Jesus' life is important for you to know because it is about your salvation and it is important for you to know about who Jesus is. Now, I'm, I'm using it today for information about mothers, um, encouragement for mothers, uh, but uh, there are things here about Jesus. Um, let me read this. This is from one of the spurious Gospels written in the second century, And uh, many of these false gospels did have stories about Jesus' childhood. And uh, let me read the story, and you quickly see it's a ridiculous story. And uh, most of the so-called other gospels are like that. They just have ridiculous stories. So this comes from the infancy gospel of Thomas, and it's from the second century. When this boy Jesus was five years old, He was playing at the ford of a brook, and he gathered together into pools the water that flowed by and made it at once clean, commanded it by his word alone. But the son of Annas the scribe was standing there with Joseph, and he took a branch of a willow and dispersed the water which Jesus had gathered together. When Jesus saw what he had done, he was enraged and said to him, You insolent, godless dunderhead. I've never heard Jesus use that word before. What harm did the pools and the water do to you? 
See now you shall also wither like a tree and shall bear neither leaves nor fruit nor fruit nor root nor fruit. And immediately that lad withered up completely. And Jesus departed and went into Joseph's house. But the parents of him that was withered took him away, bewailing his youth, brought him to Joseph and reproached him. What a child you have who does such things. And this again he went through the village, and a lad ran and knocked against his shoulder. Jesus was exasperated and said to him, You shall not go further on your way. And the child immediately fell down and died. But some who saw what took place said, From where does this child spring, since every word is an accomplished deed? Uh, There are many such stories like that about Jesus' youth. All of them after the first century, and, and, and obviously all of them ridiculous, just made up stories. And uh, many cults uh, arose in the early Christian church, and they came up with crazy things like that and uh, crazy ideas. And um, I, I could give you more examples. I think you get it. How different that is from Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 seems tame and like boring compared to that, but uh, wonderful stuff in here. I suppose every mother's nightmare is to go somewhere and forget something, whether it's the diapers or the bottle or the car seat or the clothing. But of course, the big one is to remember the child. We don't know much about Jesus the child and his relationship with his father, mother, and his siblings. Uh, But here's one story we know. And um, I I think I understand what Joseph and Mary are thinking. I I think this is their thinking. Jesus is always perfect. I don't have to worry about him. And so when they pack up the stuff to go from Jerusalem back to Galilee, a two- to three-day journey, their thinking is, I don't see Jesus, but that's okay. He never causes a problem. And so off they go. Now, how could this possibly happen? Well, Mary and Joseph also have, as their children... James, and James is the Greek form, James is the English form, the Hebrew is Jacob. Jude, or Judas, the Hebrew of course is Judah, Joseph, Simon, and Jesus, or Yeshua for Joshua. Five boys, and there are at least two girls, seven in the family. And so Mary's got the baby. (laughs) Joseph's got the next one up. And maybe one of the older girls has another one. Jesus, don't worry about him. he, He can take care of himself. And so they travel for one day, walking. And then they notice maybe bedtime or maybe supper time, hey, where's Jesus? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They look around. There's no Jesus. They start to panic. And like Don says, I mean like Dan said, they've lost the Son of God. Okay? <laughs> this is a big deal. So they head back to Jerusalem. That's a day's walk to get back there. 
they still cannot find Jesus. Now, it says that he's been missing for three days, and the text is not specific, that maybe they've gone for a day and come back for a day, and they look for him for three days in Jerusalem. That'd be five days. Or they've gone a day, come back a day, and it takes them a whole day to find him. The text is not specific. Anyways, Jesus has been missing for at least three days, maybe five days. Where is he? They search all of Jerusalem. They probably have a certain place where they would sleep when they go to Jerusalem, and they probably have certain places where they would visit and they would eat, and Jesus is in none of them. And of course, he's in the temple courts, and he's talking with the rabbis and the great scholars, and that would not be a place you would look. We've never gone there with Jesus to have a scholarly and theological debate. Wouldn't even think of looking there. Finally, they look there. There's Jesus talking with the great scholars. Uh, when I was a kid in Tennessee, I was the oldest. And at the time, we had five kids. And one Sunday morning, we went to church. We drove across town. We went past the downtown. We went past Lookout Mountain. We drove over to Signal Mountain to Red Bank, Tennessee, where our church was. We got out of the car for church. Where's the baby? The baby was missing. <laughs> Panic. One of my parents drove back home. There was the baby playing in the driveway. That could have been a very sad story. Now it's just kind of funny. We can always tease that child now. It's great. Mom and Dad forgot you. They never forgot us. Uh, you can imagine how Mary and Joseph feel, right? They've lost Jesus. Uh, I've got a number of lessons for you from the story. Lesson number one, if you go to the next slide, we need godly mothers. We need godly mothers. Uh, it's the best thing for a family, and it's the best thing for the world to have godly mothers. And I think God chose Mary and Joseph on purpose. They were devout, and they were godly. Or, may, or maybe uh, because God was at work in their lives, they were devout and godly. I've read recently that uh, in Jesus' day, there were, there were uh, 9 million Jews in the world out of 60 million people. That's 15% of the population of the Roman Empire were Jews. That's a lot. The same percentage of African Americans in the United States. Significant portion of the, of, the, of the empire. Most of them did not go to Jerusalem at Passover. In fact, probably the majority did not go every year. Even within Palestine, most probably did not go. Because the feast would last for a week. Who's going to give up a week out of their work and a week out of their time? And if you live in Galilee, it takes two to three days to get there. You're there for a week, two to three days to get back. Now you're talking two weeks, 14 days, because of course you can't travel on a Sabbath. So now you've got 14 days out of your work, working world in which you give to the Passover. Only religious people did that. Only the most godly Jews did that. The rest go, I'm not going there for, I'm not going there. I'm not giving up 14 days. I got to make money. I got to make a living. I got to do well. 
this was the family vacation. There was no going down to the Mediterranean for a swim day. Vacation was, we're going to Jerusalem for Passover. That was the vacation. That's godliness. We're devoted to God. Uh, This was their family vacation. This was the trip away from home. This was the fun of the big city. This was the time they saw extended family. This was the time they ate lots of food. This was the time they gave to prayer, worship, and the temple. What a great family. A mom and a dad devoted to God. Psalm 116, I've got a part of it on on your screen. This is a psalm that speaks about Jesus Christ, fulfilled by him. It's also about David. Notice what it says. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. The example of a godly mother passed on to her children. That's what the world needs. It's what our families need. Secondly, go to the next slide, Lynn. Mary and Joseph were great teachers and great leaders. And I said, mothers are the best teachers. Uh, So much of what we learn uh, comes from our mothers. Um, This isn't in my notes. I took a picture this past week of of what uh, some of the children wrote on the board in the far classroom. And um, I was going to put the picture on the the board for you. I forgot to do it. It was so interesting that uh, I think it was Claire, and she's five years old. Claire wrote, went over to the board. They were doing this, the lesson, and Claire went over to the board, and she wrote, there's only one God. And I thought, wow, she's getting it. And she, she wrote that on the board without any prompting. She just went over there and wrote that on the board herself. And I thought, wow, I remember my first day in kindergarten. I showed up in kindergarten, and the teacher said, put your coat where you see your name. I couldn't read my name. And yet this little five-year-old girl in our church is writing, there's only one God. Beautiful. Uh, Thank God for great mothers teaching their children. And of course, Sunday school teachers are doing that too. Wonderful. Um, It says in verse 51 that he went down, Jesus went down to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them, or was submissive to them. He listened to them, and he did what they said. Jesus listened to Mary and Joseph, and he followed their plans. Amazing. He followed their plans, and they taught him about the Lord, and they taught him the scriptures. Uh, On your your, uh, PowerPoint, I have uh, the example of Timothy. Paul says this to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1. I'm I'm reminded of your sincere faith, your faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois 
and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. I love that. Your faith was first in your grandmother, and then in your mother, now in you. Beautiful. And so when Paul shows up on his missionary journey and he shares the truth about Jesus Christ, here's a young boy who gives his life to Jesus because of his grandmother and his mother. Go to the next slide, Lynn. This is also what he says about Timothy. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. I love that. From infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures. There's a mother that's teaching the right things. A father that's teaching the right things. And I was going to leave out the rest of the passage, but I go, no, you've got to hear the rest of this. From infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. Able to make you wise for salvation. What's in your Bible is the information that will save you. And if it's not in your Bible, it won't save you. This is it. Able to make you wise for salvation, of course, it's only through faith in Christ Jesus. Go to the next slide. Uh, this is from Proverbs 6. This is Solomon. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. You want to look good? Listen to your parents. You'll look good. Or this is also from Proverbs 31. This is not on the PowerPoint. This is the sayings of King Lemuel. Proverbs 31. Listen, my son. Listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. Do not spend your strength on women. The teachings of a mother for a king. Mothers, we need you to teach. Let's go to the next slide. Moms bring discipline. Or sometimes moms say, wait till your dad gets home. I always hated that. And it wasn't because I was afraid that my dad would discipline me more than my mom. It's just, you're just delaying my punishment. <laughs> Give it to me now. I, let, let's get it over with. I love the fact that it's Mary in this passage who goes and calls Jesus out. It's Mary who speaks up. When his parents saw him, verse 48, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I love that. Mary's the one who says, Jesus, come on. We've been looking for you. It's caused us a lot of pain. It's caused us to waste our time looking around for you. What's this? It's not right. It's Mary, who, the one who, who speaks to him. Um, this is a huge story in the life of Jesus. Uh, think of it from his perspective. Uh, we, we've talked about Mary and Joseph and what they were thinking. What was Jesus thinking? Where was he sleeping? What was he eating as he went into the temple courts for three days? 
And there is a growing awareness of who he is, that he is the Son of God. And there is a growing awareness of the truth of Scripture, and it's so exciting. He's like that sponge that sucks up everything, and he learns from the teachers of the law. And everyone is amazed at his understanding and his answers, it says in the text. And Jesus says to his mom, why are you seeking me? Why are you seeking me? You don't have to. Don't you know it's necessary for me to be about the things of my father or I have to be about my father's business or I have to be in the house of my father? It's necessary for me to be about the things of my father. And of course, that's perplexing. What's he talking about? Here's his father here. His father was going back to Galilee. What do you mean you've got to be about the things of your father? And of course, he's talking about God. He realizes he is the Son of God. That's why we can put our faith in Jesus Christ. And he saves us because he is the Son of God. Finally, next slide. Moms, take it to heart. Moms, take it to heart. Uh, For mothers, the best part of life is what your children do. And the worst part of life is what your children do. There are pains and there are treasures. Enjoy the treasures and bless God and endure the pains and pray. My parents uh, often tell me that I brought them joy and happiness and did not cause them any trouble. That's what they say to me. And in my heart I go, you guys are liars. (laughs) Maybe I look good because some of the other ones don't look so good. I can remember playing football in high school. And we, there would be four to 500 people at the games because back then we would let high school out early. I think we got out at 1 o'clock. And uh, you got out of high school early so that you could go and watch the football game. Crazy. I don't know if they do that anymore. Anyways, we let out the whole school. The whole school would come out and watch a football game. There'd be four or 500 people. And I remember I'd be out playing on the field And I would be tackling people or whatever. I was a linebacker. And I would hear a voice yelling from the stands. Go 45. Come on 45. My mother. I could hear her over the cheerleaders, over the hundreds of people, over the 50 people on my team and the 50 people on the other team, over the coaches yelling, Everybody could hear David Ben's mother yelling from the sideline. Of course, she doesn't do anything halfway. She was all in. And she was yelling. Uh, It was most amazing playing football. When I played basketball, it made sense because you're in a small little gymnasium. You can hear somebody yelling. I was amazed. How could I hear her while I'm playing football? For mothers... That's the time of their life, watching their kids. Now, I was watching part of the Par 3 golf tournament at the Masters this year. Nine holes, just a short course. And it's more for, more for publicity and fun and family than for real golf. But on one hole, Jack Nicklaus had his grandson with him. And he was the caddy, and Jack Nicklaus had his grandson hit one of his shots. 
Well, his grandson shot a hole in one on national TV at the Masters. Gary Player was jumping up and down. Tom Watson was excited. Jack Nicklaus said it's the best memory playing golf he ever had. Amazing. The best memory playing golf he ever had was when his grandson hit a hole in one. Um, That's because it's his son. Uh, For those of you with moms, what you do is the best thing for their life or the toughest thing for their life. The, the proverb I've got there, that's Proverbs 10.1. This is the first of the Proverbs of Solomon. The very first one. And uh, out of all those individual Proverbs, whoever compiles them, I don't know if it's Solomon or someone after Solomon, whether it's Ezra who compiles all these Proverbs, whoever compiles them, he goes through all of those Proverbs and he goes, this is the first one. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. What you do brings joy to your parents or great sorrow. Wow, that's a life lesson. Uh, What you do and how you live affects your parents. And it's sad to me today that we discount that and devalue it. In today's culture, it's kind of like, who cares what happens to my parents? I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Live life my way. Uh, Maybe today we should be thinking about bringing joy to our mother. Now, that's wisdom. That's skill in living. That's what Proverbs are. Wisdom, skill in living. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the land. Uh, This morning, uh, on this Mother's Day, this is the time to honor our parents and bring them joy. I encourage you to do that. Uh, For you mothers experiencing that joy today, praise God and uh, thank Him for that. And for some of you experiencing those tough times, uh, give your child to the Lord and uh, I pray that His grace would cover you and, and fill your life today.